Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 174. Let me start off quickly telling you, happy dia de Portugal. Uh, this Saturday, June the 10th, and Sunday, June the 11th is, of course, happy Portugal Day weekend. And whether or not you live in a Portuguese community and you are celebrating it, or if you happen to live outside and perhaps, much like me, you go to your nearest Portuguese community to uh, celebrate. I hope you all have a, a great time this weekend. And if you've never had a chance to do that, this would be a great weekend to do that uh, by going to your uh, local community and, and having a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, my only worry for this weekend is um, a quick story for you. I live, uh, obviously, in the United States, the Northeast. And we are dealing with incredible situations where there is this smoke that's coming uh, from these, I think there's like 100 forest fires in Canada. And the jet stream has managed to bring it down into the U.S. as far as North Carolina. And uh, places like New York, uh, New Jersey, Philadelphia, um, it's incredible how the sky turns orange. And I saw that on Wednesday afternoon for myself. I went to go to lunch. I went into this great pizzeria restaurant, came out 45 minutes later, and there was nothing but orange skies, which I had never seen. I felt like I was on the planet Mars, to be honest with you. It was incredible. But hopefully that ends because otherwise that could have an effect on plans this weekend because obviously that's not very good for breathing, especially if you suffer from respiratory disease. But that's been a bit of a concern. But incredible that I would look up in the sky and I would see this orange, yellowish hue. I, I couldn't believe it. And hopefully it'll be out of the way before we begin uh, Portugal Day festivities uh, this weekend, especially if you're in the Northeast. And let me also take this opportunity uh, with everything that's going on in that part of Canada there, uh, Ottawa and uh, up uh, Quebec, that hopefully those fires get under control. Uh, we've seen what it does in Portugal. And obviously, we, we would like to see those problems end and uh, hopefully go back uh, to uh, better times. But welcome to episode uh, 144. A lot to talk about uh, regarding, first off, my Liga B-Win Best 11. I will be doing uh, the second part of this episode. Next week, I will come back and I will do my Best 11 of players abroad. So that will all uh, be coming. Uh, we don't have, obviously, we're in the offseason. So we're not talking about uh, first division, second division reports, although I will talk uh, briefly about the playoffs. So it's going to really be uh, me doing a lot of talking about a lot of the things, uh, some things that you probably don't know about with the Super Cup, uh, some controversies, some people with new jobs. That'll primarily be uh, what this episode will be about, uh, which will also include a Braga and a Big Three report. Let me also take this opportunity as well to wish this weekend Uh, Bernardo Silva and Ruben Diaz, uh, best of luck on the Champions League final in Istanbul against Inter. Honestly, I don't really have a rooting interest in this game. I don't even know if I'm going to have time to watch it on a Saturday afternoon. But obviously, when it comes to Ruben Diaz and Bernardo Silva, I'd love to see these two Portuguese countrymen win a trophy that I know City fans have been uh, waiting for for a very long time with all the money that's been spent with that club over the years. So I want to wish uh, best of luck to Bernardo Silva and Ruben Diaz. I think they're the heavy favorite, but we know uh, in sometimes in uh, championship matches, final matches, uh, that's not always enough uh, to win. So we'll see uh, what happens. But let's get going. First off, uh, in terms of what's going to happen next week, uh, let's not forget that we are pretty soon going to be 
Uh, international break uh, coming up next week. Uh, the players will assemble for Roberto Martinez's second uh, call-up. And obviously, we're getting ready to play on the 17th, the Saturday, Bosnia. And then on the 20th, the Tuesday, they're going to go up to Iceland, to Reykjavik, to play the Icelandic uh, national team. But that'll be uh, pretty much the big news next week with the training and getting ready for Bosnia. As you know or you don't know, uh, Portugal is in first place in the group after two matches with six points. Bosnia is in second with four. So big opportunity for Portugal to try to uh, basically win both of these matches. And obviously, if they do, that will put them in even a stronger position uh, in the group. And and one of the reasons why I want to see that, now, of course, I want them to win, is that I think if Portugal could wrap up this group early, it could give uh, Roberto Martinez a chance to play some players and give them some opportunities to see some minutes. I've been talking a lot on this podcast. I, I've noticed some places in the internet circles and social media people are finally talking about it but i've been talking about it now for a few months as usual first here and that's i like to see uh, celtics uh, jota uh, get an opportunity with the national team and if portugal can wrap up the group early i think that will go a long way in enabling some younger players to get a chance to see some minutes to uh, continue to uh, prepare for the future so again next week uh, the silla song will start getting together in camp and then, obviously, we'll have the matches on the 17th to the 20th. And in my next episode, I'll obviously will preview those uh, two matches. Also, some news with the national team, and that's that uh, Portugal, uh, the Sailor Song, is going to be going to Puma in 2025 in about two years, uh, getting away from uh, Nike. Um, mixed feelings. I put up a poll on this on PortugueseSoccer.com Twitter. Um, and apparently, uh, I would say more people did not like it. Uh, they, they, you know, I think there's a lot of people that don't like Nike, but there's also a lot of people that do like Nike. And I would say that overall, we got mixed opinions. Uh, it, on Instagram, nobody likes it. Uh, it's amazing how that audience was overwhelmingly against the idea of moving uh, to Puma. But we'll see what happens. I'm not a big kid guy. I mean, I do have kids of Portugal and some of the MLS, like Red Bulls. Um, but um, a lot of times... Uh, when I'm in a capacity to go to these games, I'm not in a position to wear a kit. Um, and as a result, uh, I, I'm just not into it. I've never been in, big into um, – I have a Knicks jersey. I have a, a Toronto NBA jersey. Um, I, you know, I, don't, I, I grew up – I had a Giants jersey. I'm not really big into that stuff. I find it these days to be incredibly expensive, and it seems to change every other year, which is I realize that's just the way it is. But not something that's a big interest to me. All I will say is I hope that they uh, come up, uh, Puma comes up with some better designs because uh, I think some of the most recent ones with Nike, in my opinion, for whatever it's worth, is uh, is not necessarily the uh, greatest. Uh, playoffs this weekend, of course. Uh, by the way, we had two great playoff matches, first legs last week, so it looks like the playoffs this weekend, second legs, are going to be really good. On uh, Sunday, you're going to have uh, Strula Madura making the trip to Madeira to take on Maritimu, Astrula Madura in front of a full house in Amadura. Defeated Maritimu 2-1, to one, but they did have a, uh, they were up two goals until uh, Maritimu scored late in the match to keep it interesting going into uh, Funchal this upcoming uh, weekend. Uh, so that's a good thing. And then um, the other one is uh, between, um, you know, in the third division um, is between uh, Lenk of uh, Vila Verdense and uh, B-Sad. B-Sad, the second division. Lenk Vila Verdense fighting to go to the second division from the third division. And that one also finished in Vila Verde. Beautiful town up in Minho. Great wine. Uh, Vila Verde. Uh, Vila Verdense. Lenk Vila Verdense. 
uh, with the 2-1 win at home. But again, if you're B-side, you got to be happy that you were able to score that one goal, and that just keeps it wide open. So both matches this weekend are totally, totally wide open, and I'll be curious to see how that's going to end uh, with these uh, results and who will be going to the first division and who will be staying in the uh, second division, or will it be Lankvila-Verdinsk? Uh, Lankvila-Verdinsk, many years ago, used to play in my districts with my Athletic-Dujarkus, and they have become a very big club in the past 10 years in terms of the fact that now they are competing for an opportunity in the second division. And that's my dream. That's my dream. They're doing my dream, a small club, making it all the way up uh, to the uh, possibility of making it to the second division. And I saw, by the way, another club in my district's region, Viennense, from Viana do Castella, they just made it to the third division. So yet another club that we used to compete with for many years, living my dream, and now they're up to the third division. But hey, I'll be honest with you, I'd love to see Vila Verdense make it to the second division, and I would really, really love to see uh, Viennense do very well in the third division. I think that's great for football uh, up north, so we'll see. But uh, great playoff action this weekend, and also want to give a shout out on Instagram to Bull City, uh, the Bull City, uh, he was at the Astrola Amador match, and he said that the environment was electric. Uh, so thank you for reaching out to me as well, and uh, looking forward this summer uh, to doing more with some of my followers. Um, when I have more time this summer, I'm going to be able to talk to you about it and get some of you involved. Uh, as far as um, getting with some news in Portugal, things that you need to know since we're in the offseason, uh, the Super Cup, Last week I had mentioned that we're going to have a Benfica Porto Super Cup, which is probably as good as it gets for a Super Cup, or, you know, it's Sporting Porto or Sporting a Benfica. And uh, it was uh, mentioned this week in the news, uh, although it tends to be at the end of July that they've actually pushed it to either Tuesday, August the 8th, or Wednesday, August the 9th. And if you're sitting there and you're listening to me, yes, it's going to be either on a Tuesday or on a Wednesday next year, whereas we're used to usually having it on weekends. And part of the reason is because in Portugal, and this is important, by the way, if you're planning on going to Portugal this summer, uh, World Youth Day, when the Pope is coming uh, to Portugal, to Lisbon, is from August the 1st to the 6th, so Befica and Porto, knowing um, so many people are going to be going to Portugal for this. Uh, it's not going to be an easy time. Tickets are going to be very expensive to fly into Portugal. But the club, seeing that that's going to be the focal point of those days, has decided, uh, Befica Porto decided instead that they're going to play on the 8th or the 9th. And it's really going to depend on when Braga finds out they're going to be playing their first uh, leg, uh, third uh, preliminary round match. If they're playing it on the 8th, then the Super Cup will be on the 9th. Uh, if that Braga's playing on the 9th, that means the Super Cup will be on the 8th of August. That's how they'll uh, announce the day, and uh, they'll announce that when the uh, time comes. So very interesting that we'll have a Super Cup in the middle of the week. Usually it tends to be on a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, other interesting news, the Federation came out this week, and you know they're the ones, by the way, that oversee the refereeing. It's not the Liga. A lot of people criticize the Liga. It always amazes me how people don't know. It's the Federation that oversees the uh, match officiating, the referees, and they came out this week, the Federation, and they said that they want an external organization to run the referees. Now, let me tell you, no matter who runs it, there will always be criticism. The VAR didn't really solve a lot because there's still a lot of controversy, even when people don't use the VAR. So, I think putting it to another organization outside the Federation to do it is actually a very good idea. 
The question is, is, is it going to do a better job with the referees and get people to trust the referees more or at least criticize the referees less? And, and I don't see it. I just think it's part of the culture. Uh, soccer, especially compared to other sports that I grew up with, like baseball, football, basketball, obviously people are not happy, of course, but it doesn't tend to be as tough as it is as people are on soccer referees, football referees, uh, in my opinion. But... Um, that was big news with the Federation that they want an external organization to be overseeing the match officiating in uh, Portugal. So that was thought it was interesting news. Uh, Liga President Pedro Puroenza has announced that uh, he wants to reduce ticket prices by as much as uh, 50%. Uh, I think this is great news because, you know, again, when I go to Portugal, if I've got to spend 20, 30, 40 euros on a match, I don't mind doing that because I'm on vacation or I'm on there on personal business. Um, I can do it, but I know there's a lot of people in Portugal that find that to be very excessive. And I know the one of the things that Pedro Porenza wants to do is he wants to get more people, especially youngsters, to go into the stadiums. Um, I tell this story a lot of times that I have a lot of relatives who are huge fans but are scared to go to a match. I had an opportunity many years ago uh, to go see a Super Cup match, and I could not find anybody in uh, with regard to my uncle's hometown that wanted to go with me because they were scared. They'd rather watch it in the banda and the local pub and the local club and just relax and watch the game and have a bifana and then be able to walk home after that without having to deal with traffic. But they're also, there are a lot of people that are scared to go in the game. So, uh, because they're worried about violence. And uh, I think this is a good move to try to encourage more people to come to the stadiums. But when they do that, they should also do a better job with the security because that seems to be a big reason why people stay away. And by the way, they obviously, as you know, recently they changed the times to make them friendlier and earlier in the day, and I think that will help as well, getting more people into the uh, stadiums. Uh, Vizela named the new manager, 36-year-old Pablo Villar. He most recently managed in uh, Lithuania. He's supposed to be a very exciting young manager. We'll see how exciting he is, but that's, uh, that's a pretty big uh, story. Uh, for, Viz uh, for Vizela getting this uh, young manager to come uh, to Portugal to uh, manage them. And obviously this is a great opportunity because personally I think it's much better to be managing in Portugal uh, compared to Lithuania. So this is a great opportunity. And we'll see if Pablo Villar is what they say he is in Spain of being an up-and-coming manager. He's going to get an opportunity to do it in Portugal. Vizela finished middle of the table. So we'll see. And Torrientes, uh, my favorite club in the uh, second division from Torres Vedras, announced the new manager, Rui Ferreira. He comes over to uh, Ferrense. He, uh, he comes over after managing Ferrense up north in Santa Maria de Feira. And now he's going to be making the trip uh, down south, and he'll be managing Torrientes. Torrientes, of course, had a very good year finishing in the top eight after being promoted last season from the uh, third division and winning the third division title. They started off awful, and... You know, they managed to make it back up to near the top. At one point, they almost made it up to fifth place after being last. And I think with only like one point after four matches, a, a great turnaround story for Turians. I don't know if Turians ever has the capabilities of being a very first division club. Even Torres Vedras is a pretty decent sized city. But nevertheless, it's just good to see a, a, a nice city like Turians be in the uh, second uh, division. I'd like to see Caldas de Reina one day. Galvez, that's another big uh, city in Portugal. I'd like to see them as well maybe when they get into the uh, second uh, division. Uh, coming up next will be my Liga B-Win Best 11 for the recently completed 2002-2003 season. And that ends part one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
Part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Welcome back as we now, of course, begin uh, the summer and we begin, um, of course, uh, break time. It's going to be nothing but uh, transfer rumors. Uh, before I get going with my Liga B-Win and talking about the uh, interesting situation with Ugarth, let me just take this opportunity, like I always do, to, again, to continue to say thank you for supporting this podcast with your listening. If you're brand new, please give this a follow on uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict. Um, also follow it on uh, YouTube. The audio is uh, put up there. And again, I, I really mean that when I say that. And I always, uh, every time I meet uh, someone who listens to this podcast or Twitter, um, as you know, I have no problem buying you a, a beer and saying thank you because that's how much I appreciate uh, you uh, spending time out, whether it's uh, listening to all of it or some of it. I really appreciate that you do it. But let's get going with my Liga B win. 2002-23 team of the season and look a lot of people think they're experts and a lot of people they think you know anyone can name a best 11 and I think when I started to think about my best 11 what I thought about isn't necessarily the person that we think is the best in the league it was really the person in relation to their team that helped their team get to where they are um, in other words, you know, there's obviously Diego Costa is the national team goalkeeper. A lot of people are going to consider him the best. And in this case, he is in my best 11 because he is, in my opinion, was the best goalkeeper uh, this past season. Uh, Vlacho Dimos did well, um, had good moments. But I think for me, at the end of the day, Diego Costa was uh, very influential and uh, the thing that made me nervous about Vlacho Dimos is when they started to give up those points and they saw their lead uh, basically uh, get reduced, uh, I wasn't too impressed with Vlacho Dimos, although he did have some very good moments in the Champions League. But for me, and by the way, Vlacho Dimos, you'll see, makes my honorable mention team. Uh, Diego Costa, in my opinion, was the best goalkeeper. Will he be going to Manchester United? It uh, seems like every Manchester United fan is losing sleep trying to find out information. We don't know. But interestingly, Diego Costa this past weekend after the uh, cup final did say that, uh, you know, he uh, there's not a lot to talk about because most of the information that he knows is on the Internet. And obviously, if he's not hearing it from his agent or the club, then that should give you an idea of where things stand uh, heading into this weekend. But in my opinion, Diego Costa, and by the way, I'm going with sort of like a 4-4-2. Uh, the back, I'm going to go with uh, Ersnes of Benfica. He was fantastic, definitely one of the big revelations of the season. Antonio Silva, the kid, made his debut, didn't start off the greatest. I think he got like a yellow card after like the third or fourth minute. I think he was playing the best against Boavista. But his tremendous performances, especially against PSG in the Champions League, and to be that young and to be playing for one of the biggest clubs in Portugal on a season where they won the title and the way he handled himself, I just thought was uh, very impressive. Um, there's a lot of people I could have named as the next defender, Niakat of Braga, who just uh, is going to stay permanently with Braga on a five-year deal that was announced this week. Or João Basu, the Brazilian defender from Morocco, was another one. Uh, or Gonzalo Inácio. Um, but in my opinion, Pep of Porto. Um, not just because of his age and what he's doing, but because of his presence. And if you don't think that uh, people on uh, the other team don't notice when he's around them, then you don't know football because his presence is a big factor and he had a great season. There were bad moments, but at the end of the day, um, this is somebody who is just fantastic for Porto and I just could not leave him out. And then Grimaldo. I think Grimaldo at left back. Uh, disappointing situation with how he was announced him going to Leverkusen. 
But Grimaldo had, in my opinion, one of his better seasons uh, with Benfica. They won the title. And when you win the title, you can consider that your best season. Uh, midfield, Otavio, uh, fantastic player. Obviously, he's scored some really good goals for Portugal with the national team when he became a Portuguese citizenship. But I think Otavio was uh, fantastic. Ugart, we'll talk about in a few minutes here. Another fantastic player. Braga's Al Musrati deserves my respect there in the midfield. Uh, he could go... Uh, could be a big sale this summer for Braga of $30 million, now that, you know, Ricardo Horta doesn't seem to be going anywhere because he's not really in the news. But uh, El Masrati, uh, I think, had a very, very good summer. And then João Mario, you have to include João Mario. Um, had one of his finer seasons, in my opinion. And uh, interesting that he retired from the national team to just focus on club football. But João Mario had a really, very good season. Um, up top, to me... I, you're probably expecting me to say Gonzalo Ramos first, but I'm going with Fran Navarro. Uh, Benfica, my thing with Gonzalo Ramos is he's a fantastic player. We saw what he did in the national team, of course, against Switzerland. But to me, if Petar Musa was playing all 34 matches up top, I think he would have scored as many goals as Gonzalo Ramos. Gonzalo Ramos had a great season, not only because he's a great striker, but because he is also plays on a great team. I know he's being mentioned, uh, you know, supposedly, was it Manchester United's another team in the mix for him? I think he was mentioned once with Wolves, and I may be wrong that I hear Bayern. But uh, Gonzalo Ramos makes my, um, makes my honorable mention. But Fran Navarro scored more than half of his team's goals for Gil Vicente this season. He scored more than half of their goals by himself. He's going to be going to a big club, reportedly, possibly Porto. Um, I think Ruben Amarin made a mistake not going after him last summer. Think about maybe sporting would have been a little bit better this season. Well, instead, Ruben Amarin said something publicly that, you know, he, he didn't think he was a right good fit, something to that effect. But for me, it's got to be Fran Navarro. I think he's a fantastic uh, player. And uh, the other one is uh, Tereme. No doubt about it. Of course, he led the Liga in scoring. And I think there's no doubt that he deserves to be up top as well. So that, in my opinion, is your best 11. Now, who could I also consider that I consider on by honorable mention? Uh, Aroca goalkeeper, Arobuena uh, Barana. I'm probably not saying that right. The Uruguayan, he had a very, very good season. Um, he's going somewhere. He's going to a big club. Him and Zhuang Basu, who is his defender up front. They're going to be at a big club. Don't be surprised if in a year or two they're, in, they're playing... Uh, for a Porto, Befica, or Sporting with uh, in the same setup that they had in Aroca, because that's the way it works in uh, Portugal. But I like this guy, this Aro Borana. Uh, Vlaco Dimos makes my honorable mention list, and the other, and then I know obviously Estoril has a good manager, excuse me, a good goalkeeper, Portuense. But in terms of mine, even though I know Gil Vicente didn't have a great year compared to last year, I think Andrew. Uh, another player that m could possibly be moving to a big club, especially if Diego Costa does move to Manchester United. He could go to Porto. I like it. this kid, Andrew, at uh, Gil Vicente. I thought he had a very good season under the circumstances that he had. And, uh, again, not one of the best goalkeepers in the league, but certainly kept his team a lot, made a lot of big saves all season, and I think he deserves respect. Uh, players, Pote, uh, sorry, you were left off the national team. Now I'm leaving you off my best 11. But definitely honorable mention for him. Galeno of Porto had a very, very good season. Uh, I think his second time at Porto has been very, very good. Um, you know, when he was at Braga, he was a great player, especially in the Europa League. And he's the talk was, could he bring that form over 
to Porto, and I think he's uh, done that, um, in my opinion, uh, Galeno. And then another player you're going to hear a lot about that I've talked about in this podcast, and that's Ivan Jaime from Familia Kong. Um, he is somebody that I think you're going to be hearing a lot about in the uh, midfield this upcoming season. Defenders, again, João Basu of Aroca, the uh, Brazilian defender, and Iacat is another one that I think, uh, you know, you would have, uh, you know, you could have considered. Uh, there's another one out there, Tiago. That's another one I could have considered for the back line, but these are, to me, the uh, top players. And then up front, my, Gonzalo Ramos makes my honorable mention as well as uh, Ricardo Huerta. And I don't think I'm missing anybody. Um, watch, I'll probably uh, press stop record on this, then I'll realize I missed somebody. But in my opinion, those are probably the best 11. And again, Gonzalo Ramos, you could say, had a better season than Navarro, but Navarro was just much more influential for his team. And in my opinion, he did it with a team that could barely score goals, and he was scoring the goals. And I think he had a harder time this season, whereas Gonzalo Ramos is surrounded by a lot of talent, as evidenced by the number of players that have made uh, my best uh, 11. Um, moving on to the big three report, this uh, thing with Ugart. So Saturday record reports that Ugart is a done deal to Chelsea, $60 million plus another five in objectives. And then Sunday, and by the way, Saturday, all the Chelsea fans were happy, um, you know, immensely happy for a player that I think half of them never even saw play. And then Sunday, the reports start coming out that no, no, PSG activated the clause and PSG is willing to spend more money. Plus, PSG was complaining about the fact that there was a report that said that Chelsea was going to be investing in a sporting sod which is obviously the uh, business company that people invest in, and that's what essentially runs uh, the club. And let me just say that when I, first, when I first heard the news, I think it was Saturday night in one of the newspapers in the morning uh, when, they, um, you know, when they finally print their newspaper, um, when I first heard that Chelsea was thinking about investing in sporting, sad, the first thing I thought about was how? How could they be allowed to do that if... Both of these teams have played in the Champions League. Obviously, I, I, I don't know about Chelsea next year because I don't follow them, but I don't think they're going to be playing for, um, in Europe. But the point is, is on good years, Sporting and Chelsea are going to meet each other in European competition, and probably both of them are going to be in the Champions League or in the Europa League together. My point is there's conflict of interest there. I, I don't think you're allowed to in Europe to invest in another big club in Europe. So... When I first heard this, I was surprised that Sporting didn't come out right away and deny this because they know that you know people could you know it could raise the prices of their share and they could get in trouble for doing that when everybody knows you're not allowed to do that. And obviously PSG right away made this public and they went straight to Sporting. They said, "Hey, this this can't be right." The way the story goes, that's reported by the press, and as a result, PSG, I guess, um, I, I guess Chelsea just pulled out. And PSG, based on reports, is going to get Ugart. And Ugart now is apparently, uh, I guess it's uh, accounting reasons. Has to do with perhaps financial fire play in terms of your budget year. This deal is expected to be announced after July the 1st. And as a result, by all reports, um, it's keys, uh, Ugart is going to be playing for a PSG. And uh, again, what do you make of the Portuguese press? First, they say, in this case, for the court, that he's going to Chelsea. And then the next day, the reports are going to PSG. You know, 
Record doesn't take this news on Saturday unless somebody tells them. You know, they don't, I mean, despite what some of you think, they're not sitting in their office with their feet up watching the internet and YouTube and everything and then like, you know what? That's why the story that you got is going to go to Chelsea. Someone's got to tell them that info. The question is, is who? But at the same time, if you're sporting, you should know that as soon as that information hit about these rumors that Chelsea want to invest in Saad, based on what I know, and I'm not a financial person, people, I don't. But when I, whatever I know is whenever you have any business that's got shares and it's got investors, and the value of that investment could change depending on uh, the attention they get, which makes the values more valuable. Um, you know, when you hear that Chelsea wants to invest, a big club like that, you know, you got to be careful. Um, but I'm But again, I'm, maybe it wasn't true, which is why Sporting didn't uh, respond to it. But at the same time, I was just surprised of that report because I knew right away that very minute when I heard about this Saturday night that that wasn't uh, legal or, or possible in uh, Europe. So Ugart um, is going to PSG. Sporting's going to get around... 42 million, few millions less after, you know, the agents and all the fees are paid, uh, you know, things of that nature, unless PSG is taking care of all those fees. But uh, this is finally over. Uh, Ugart uh, only got to spend, what, a year, year and a half with Sporting. Fantastic player. We wish him luck. And we'll see what happens with him playing in the Liga 1 and the Champions League next season. Uh, other stories about Sporting, they were being they were eyeing Thiago Santos of Estoril. Uh, Estoril, um, you know, obviously he's got a lot of young players. Uh, Sporting apparently has a anti-release clause on him, which is why I don't think any other club could get him, and they were willing to go in and try to get him. So we'll see what happens with that, but he's been mentioned. Uh, we saw reports that uh, Sporting is not, especially now that they've sold Ugart, they're not going to sell Pote, Edwards, or Inacio, Gonzalo Inacio this summer because they've done what they've had to do. Uh, in other words, they've made their big sale, they have their money, and now they're going to try to keep the team together because we saw what happened last year when they sold Mateus Nunes three days before the season and then they showed Paulinho during the summer. That had a very, very adverse effect on the team. It really did. And selling Porto midway through the season also had a, you know, losing a player like that before the season. Um, the bottom line is Sporting was not a very good team this season, as we all know, because they lost a lot of their best players. And even though they're supposed to... You know, refill, uh, get good players, and bring in the next generation. Uh, this past season, that, that it, it just wasn't a great year for Sporting, at least in terms of their uh, terms. And uh, that's the big read three report on uh, Sporting. Um, Braga, uh, big thing with Braga. They of course Nakat. Uh, I think he came from Guincamp, uh, from France. They are going to keep him now and sign him for five years. And again, he's on my honorable mention list as defender. We saw um, Vitor Carvalho. Braga signed Vitor Carvalho from Gilles Vicente. Uh, another great move for uh, Braga. Again, that's what Braga does. They wind up getting these players that are not necessarily the next players that are ready to play for a big three, but they're kind of like one step away. And Braga likes to get these players before the big clubs come getting them the following year. So a very big move. And uh, obviously the big story is, and I think it will be sold this summer, Al Masrati. There were some reports, I think, of Fulham last uh, transfer window. But uh, if he does get sold for his uh, release clause of $30 million, that will be a very big deal for Braga. And Braga, by the way, if Braga qualifies for the Champions League groups and they sell Masrati for $30 million, going to be a great summer for Braga if they could get this done. This is going to be a very important, in my opinion, 
uh, coming up in August for Braga. Very, very, very important. Um, Benfica, uh, first off, interesting story that I'll say about Benfica, and I, I always never understood this, uh, but Benfica, uh, basically, their women's team will also start training now in uh, Seychelles. I think they were training at the University of Lisbon or something like that, but I, I saw a story like that, and I felt I had to mention it because they've been so successful with the women, and I couldn't believe they weren't using the facilities at Seychelles. If I'm wrong about that, people, and Benfica fans, call me out. You know, DM me to correct me, of course. Let's do it that way. Um, but I'd just be very, very curious. Uh, obviously, we know the big story has been the uh, the Turkish player, Koçu, from Firenode. Will, uh, will uh, you know, he could cost. These reports are of 20, 25 million. There's a report of 40. There's a report of 30. We'll see what happens. But he's uh, been in the news that uh, he's a very big favorite of uh, Roger Schmidt. Uh, Roger Schmidt, by the way, is my manager of the year. I should have mentioned that. That's pretty obvious. But uh, to me, um, this Roger Schmidt uh, really likes this guy, Kochu, so we'll see what happens. We also saw news from Benfica. João Neves, he's got a $60 million release clause, and Benfica wants to talk to him now with all the attention on this kid, and they want to see him, uh, his release clause, get raised even uh, more. Uh, Nelson Verissimo, he's managed their B team twice. He's managed the senior team twice on an interim basis. Um, obviously, you remember he managed them and, uh, until they lost in the Champions League against Liverpool. And then last season, it didn't end so well, but he was at uh, Estoril Praia, and it didn't work out for him. Well, Rui Costa, per reports, has invited him to come back because I think the manager of the B team, Castro, has been uh, uh, let go. And it looks like Nelson Verissimo has invited uh, him to uh, come back uh, to Benfica and to manage the B team this upcoming uh, season. Uh, so that's very interesting news to see a manager that was in the first division decide to go back to the second division. We'll see if he does it, uh, or he maybe he's waiting to see if he can get a first division opportunity or if he can get a rich opportunity in the Middle East or uh, China. Uh, we'll see what happens. We saw some stories this week about Inter Milan interested in Otamendi. Uh, will Otamendi stay? I think that's going to be the uh, big question this summer for Benfica fans. Benfica also announced their uh, preseason um, Kind of almost the same as last year, starting it off in uh, Seychelles. They're going to go to uh, St. George's Park in England like they did last year. I mean, look, if you're Benfica and you won the title, why would you change anything in your preseason? I mean, if you're superstitious like I can be, you want to keep the uh, same thing going. So it uh, looks like Benfica is going to be going back to St. George's Park, and uh, they're going to play Southampton. They're going to go like just like they did last year. Again, why change it if it works? They're going to go back to Switzerland this time. They're going to play Basel. Uh, then they're going to play in the Algarve Cup. It's not decided yet who's going to be in the Algarve Cup. I thought I saw, but I, I don't think it matches with the dates that maybe Cristiano Ronaldo and El Nassar come to Portugal next summer, that they may be one of the opponents in the Algarve Cup. But I'm not. I, again, I'm not 100% correct on that. We, it still needs confirmation. Um, and then uh, the other interesting thing is that uh, they're going to be playing Fire North, and they're going to be going to Holland to play Fire North. And I wonder if this is part of the payment, which clubs tend to do sometimes with preseason matches for Frederick Ursnes. I wonder if that's uh, part of the reason why they're going to go play Fire North. Um, if you did, well, you heard it here first. And, um, and then obviously they're going to be playing the Eusebio Cup, and the uh, date on that is to be determined. And uh, the day with the Super Cup, like I told you at the beginning of this episode, it just depends on, uh, again, they're going to be playing on the 8th or the 9th because they're trying to avoid uh, Youth Day with the Pope coming to Portugal in early August. 
And uh, it's either going to be played on the 8th or the 9th, which, again, of interest is a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Uh, moving on to Porto, Conceição. Interesting headline in one of the newspapers this week that he's planning the upcoming season, but he's also paying attention to the offers. He's also studying the offers. I still think, in my opinion, Conceição will leave this summer. He will go to an Italian club. We'll see if I'm right, uh, but we shall see. PDC, Pinto de Costa, wants him to stay. We will see. Uh, Porto came out with their new kit. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I like the old kit, the old-looking kits. Um, I guess the reason why teams sell kits is because if they sell the same kits year after year, not everybody's going to buy it year after year. But if you do a different kit year after year, then people have a reason to buy your kit year after year. And it's a business decision. I'm not a big fan of this. Um, just really not a big fan. And um, I just, you know, just my opinion. Um, Uribe, as we all know, um, he left for Qatar. And I've told you on this podcast many times that fans want to be fans and they want players to love their club as much as the fans do. But players only get so many years to play football, to play soccer. They have a family to feed. They want to take care of their families for the rest of their life. And I thought Uribe said something in his exit interview that he, when he was interviewed that it's tough to leave, but there are priorities in life. And some Porto fans were not happy that he left. They think he was being very greedy. But again, I, I would love to ask some of these fans, like, you know, let's say you're working at, a, you know, let's say you're working at a company and you're making so much money. And another company comes along and says, man, you do a great job. We're going to give you double. Come work for our company. How many people are going to say, no, no, nah, I'm going to stay in my current job because it's an easier commute or I like the people I work with or, you know, my favorite restaurant is across the street. So I think I'm going to stay and make the same amount of money instead of going to make twice the money and maybe finding just as good of a restaurant to eat and working with great people as well. But uh, I think it's something I talk about a lot. I think sometimes fans get upset. Players got to do what they got to do. They got to think of number one, and number one is uh, their families. Uh, I, Cristiano and Al Nassar going to be going to Portugal July the 3rd to the 21st. So I think that's very interesting. I'm curious to see who they're going to be playing in Portugal. Uh, JJ, Jorge Jesus, a report says that Saudi Arabia wants him to be their manager of the national team, and he might get $10 million a year. You know, people say that he's past his prime, that he's a little long in his tooth. I still... If I was a billionaire and I owned the Portuguese club, I would hire JJ in a minute because he knows Portuguese football. I mean, he took Portuguese clubs to back-to-back, -back, you know, Euros. Um, uh, excuse me, uh, Europa League finals. He took Benfica back-to-back -back, uh, Europa League finals. Um, I, I think he still has it, but I know some of you vehemently disagree. $10 million a year. Uh, reports Flamingo wants him back. But $10 million a year for three years, $30 million, that's not bad. You know, another thing you got to know about J.J. is J I read George Jesus's book. It was written by somebody, but obviously it was George Jesus. And in addition to finding out that he only eats fish, when his mom died, he wore black for a few years, which is a very, uh, you know, at least in, I know in, in my parents' part of the country, Minu is very much a tradition. Um but J.J. lost a lot of money, if I heard correctly, when the banks went bust around the world in 2008, 2009, if I heard the story correctly. So I do not begrudge anybody that wants to make more money. Uh, some of you don't like that, but I think it's fine. 
Good luck to JJ if that does happen. But first, he's got to finish his season in uh, Turkey. Ricardo Sapinto leaves Iran. Uh, very successful there winning the uh, Super Cup and finishing runner-up in the uh, Domestic Cup. But he's going to uh, to uh, Cyprus with the Apwell Nicosia, which is, I believe, a team that sometimes you see playing in the Champions League qualifiers. But he left because he was very frustrated at the officiating. He believes there's a lot of conspiracy theories working against these teams. And uh, he also apparently hadn't been paid in eight months. If, if, if Something like that. I, I find that to be unbelievable how... Anyone can last without getting paid for two or three months is one thing, but eight months, if, if I'm hearing correctly. Uh, other stories abroad, uh, Renato Sanchez may be opening to leaving, leaving PSG. Some Turkish clubs have expressed an interest. Uh, hopefully, uh, Ricardo Sanchez gets his act together because I'd love to see this kid continue to be a star. Rafael Guerrero leaves Dortmund and goes to Bayern. Not bad, Rafael, not bad at all. And let me wrap up this episode like I always do. Even though I know the season's over, Atletico dos Arcos, uh, their manager, Jaime Barreiro, who took over in the middle of the season. Again, my team had a five-point lead. They blew it in January. They changed managers for whatever reason. This kid, he's, I think, only 31 years old, came in. He did a good job, but although they had three or four opportunities to catch up the Limianos and they didn't do it, um, which I thought was disappointing, uh, they're parting ways, which is not really a surprise. And uh, Atletico Luz Arcos is going to have to find a new manager this summer. So that's a, uh, you know, not a surprise to me. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Anyway, folks, that wraps up episode uh, 174 of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. As always, follow Peace Soccer COM on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Portuguese underscore soccer underscore noticias on Instagram. Peace Soccer COM at Gmail. Uh, thank you to those who go to Portugal and tell me about your experiences. I really, really appreciate that. And again, thank you so much for taking time out of your week to listen to what I have to say. I really appreciate it. Again, I try to be objective. Tell it like it is. Um, and again, this is as much fun for me as I hope it is uh, for you. Folks, take care of yourselves, and I'll talk to you next week. Ciao.